If you would turn with me in your Bible just now to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. The word of God says this. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Barnabas, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And amen. And we know God's word does not return to him void. Tonight, this miracle that we've just read, this really is the last miracle to take place in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after this in Matthew 21, he curses the fig tree, but I think you'll agree with me that can hardly be considered a positive miracle. And then when he gets to Jerusalem, he heals the ear of Malchus, who is the temple officer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But I mean really on the last leg of his journey, in his ministry, this is the last miracle, this is the last healing that takes place in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And you can see this interaction between these two men. We have Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, the blind beggar, and we have Jesus, son of David, the merciful master. And tonight I'd like to show you three things that we see in this interaction. First of all, I want you to see the beggar's position. Secondly, the beggar's plea. And thirdly, the beggar's pardon. The beggar's position the beggar's plea and the beggar's pardon. But what do I mean whenever I say the beggar's position? Well, this man, Bartimaeus, as far as outcasts go, Bartimaeus was the lowest of the low. He's really at the bottom of the social ladder. He's an outcast in the eyes of Jewish society. I would say he's, he's a bit above or below peasants, perhaps slightly above lepers in the eyes of Israelites. I would say he's actually above that of a tax collector. I don't know how you feel about tax men. But I think he's just above tax collectors in the eyes of Jewish society. That's why the Bible always says in the Gospels, if you read the Gospels, it'll say that Jesus ate and drank with public with sinners and publicans. You can read it in Mark chapter 2 and verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with sinners and publicans, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with sinners and publicans? You see, in the eyes of Jews, if you were a tax collector, you were worse than the worst of sinners. Why? Well, because you, you worked for the enemy. You worked for the Romans. And you took money from your own people. 
In fact, you took more than necessary because you took a little bit for yourself. We can see here how Jesus associated with the outcasts of society. He associates with this man, Bartimaeus. But why really is this man, Bartimaeus, an outcast? Well, first and foremost, we see that Bartimaeus was blind. He was blind. And blindness was common in the ancient world. And really it reduced Bartimaeus to begging. And I want you to know here, friend, tonight, if you're in this meeting or listening in online and you're not saved, you don't have that confidence of sins forgiven, I want you to know that you're exactly like this blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Because you, you yourselves, are blind. If you're not saved tonight, you are blind before God. And what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Pastor Craig was telling us this morning about the strategies of Satan. One of the strategies of Satan is to blind the minds of those who believe not. If you don't believe the gospel tonight, you are spiritually blind. And Jesus came that you might have sight. Does he not say so in John chapter 9 and verse 39? I have come into the world that those who do not see may see. Jesus came to give sight to the spiritually blind. He came to give sight to you tonight who are spiritually blind in the meeting. And perhaps this is one of the biggest stumbling blocks to anyone coming to Christ. You're blind to the gospel. You're blind to the beauty and the majesty of Christ in the gospel. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 tells us that the only way for you to be saved is for God to shine into your heart. To God to show you the glory of the gospel. And I want to tell you friend tonight, you are here by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. You are here because it is in God's will for you to be here tonight or tuning in online to listen to this gospel message. Because tonight God is opening your eyes to your true condition before him. My friend, you have nothing, nothing that you can do to merit your own salvation. You cannot earn it. You cannot achieve it. You are a spiritually blind sinner. And the only way that you can receive forgiveness from God is to do what Bartimaeus does. And we'll see that in a moment or two. How Bartimaeus received his sight, he only asked for mercy. Mercy. And how then... How then was this affecting you and I? Well, first and foremost, as I said, you're a spiritually blind individual. You're like Bartimaeus in that sense. But we also see that Bartimaeus was a beggar. He was a beggar at the gate of Jericho. In fact, in Matthew, it says there were two men. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30, there were two men there sitting by the road. Bartimaeus was just the one who cried the louder, it says. But the fact there were two men by the roadside actually implies that there were probably more than two. More than two. Beggars would sit by the city gates every day begging for alms. They would wait by the city gate to catch the most people going in and out of the city. Here's Bartimaeus, a beggar at the gate of Jericho, appealing to the mercy of those who were traveling the well-worn path to Jerusalem. The people who were walking by, Bartimaeus was just another beggar, a nuisance to be avoided and to be ignored. So not only was he blind, but he was a beggar. Not only was he a beggar, but he was a beggar amongst a sea of other beggars. There were probably loads of them along the side of the road going into Jericho. 
I would say this man, this man was the lowest of the low for those reasons. But there's another reason why I believe Bartimaeus was an outcast. His name. His name. I would dare claim tonight that Bartimaeus didn't have a name. And you're sitting down there tonight and you're raising an eyebrow and you're saying to me, Brian, it says in my Bible in black and white that his name was Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. How then did he not have a name? Well, it's very unusual for Mark to record the names of individuals other than those recurring individuals in the Gospels. Other people are Jairus and Barabbas, apart from this man here, Bartimaeus. And the fact Bartimaeus is named means that you and I should take interest in that fact. Bartimaeus, his name means this. Bar means son of, and Timaeus means unclean, defiled, corrupted. Whenever it says his name was Bartimaeus, it's telling you and I that he was a son of uncleanness. He was a son of defilement. He was a son of corruption. And we can look at that two ways. Perhaps, perhaps he was born into a family of beggars, of outcasts, of individuals who were the lowest in society. Or perhaps, and I'm entitled to think the latter, perhaps this was a name that was given to him. As people seen him, they would say, there's Bartimaeus, just a son of uncleanness. There's Bartimaeus, a son of defilement. This name Bartimaeus is also a reminder of where you stand before Almighty God, if you're not saved. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do as fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If you're here tonight and you don't have your sins forgiven, I want to tell you, friend, in the sight of a holy God, you are unclean. You are unclean. You are defiled in his sight. Your sin makes you corrupt, and God cannot let sin into heaven. Is that you tonight, friend? Are you unclean in the sight of God? Are you defiled? You know, in the New Testament, Jesus presents the idea of cleanness as being holy. Whenever Jesus walked the earth, he showed us what holiness really meant. He showed us that his holiness can overcome our innate uncleanness. And there are many examples in the Gospels. Whenever Jesus touched a leper, rather than un become unclean himself, the leper became clean. Whenever a woman who was ceremonially unclean with an issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, rather than become unclean, the woman became healed. In these miracles, Jesus demonstrated his power, his power over all that was unclean. He demonstrated how his purity is greater than our impurity. The Bible says in Revelation 1 and 5, Jesus Christ who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. My friend, the only way for you to become clean in the sight of a holy God tonight is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And maybe you're here tonight and you think you're not a sinner. Maybe you think you're a good person. I want to tell you, friend, very simply, and I make no apology for saying it, you are a sinner. You were born a sinner, and therefore you are a sinner by nature. You commit sin, and therefore you're a sinner by practice. 
You are a sinner. And you need to be forgiven for your sin to enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's no other way. The only way to do that is to be forgiven. And the only way to do that is to have faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're sitting down there tonight and you're saying to yourself, I could never have faith in the Bible. I could never have faith in the gospel. I could never have faith in Jesus. It's a silly thing to have faith in someone who lived 2,000 years ago. Brian, I could never do something like that. But I want to tell you, friend, you use faith every day. You use faith every single day and you don't even realize it. You don't realize it. I imagine most of you drove here tonight. I imagine so. Whenever you got in your car to drive to church this evening, you had faith that the other driver would stay on his side of the road. You've never met him before, but you had faith in them. You had faith that they'd abide by the speeding laws, traffic laws. You had faith. Husbands, whenever you woke up this morning, you had faith that your wife wouldn't put poison in your coffee. She might have wanted to, but she didn't. And you had faith in her not to. The old cliche one, the old cliche Christian one, is having faith in the chair. You ever hear that? How you'll have faith in the chair and that the chair will hold you. It doesn't really work. You can't have faith in an inanimate object. That, that's head knowledge. You'll have head knowledge that the chair will hold you. But you have faith in the man who built the chair. You have faith in his craftsmanship. You have faith that he knew what he was doing when he built the chair. You use faith every single day. And yet you won't have faith in the Son of God who cannot lie. Maybe you're sitting down there tonight and you think, Brian, I couldn't believe the Bible. I can't believe what this book says happened 2,000 years ago. Who would ever believe that? And yet, and yet there are people in the world who believe scientists today whenever they're fit to tell you what happened billions of years ago. I cannot comprehend that. I cannot comprehend that. You believe what scientists said happened billions of years ago, supposedly, but you cannot believe what happened 2,000 years ago whenever you have an accurate record in front of you. I, I don't understand that. I don't. There are individuals who open their newspaper and they read horoscopes and they believe them. How? How? If you're a Christian here tonight, of course you shouldn't be doing that. I just want to add that as an annotation. Faith, my friend, is very simple. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15 and verse 9, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. My friend, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, would you not love to be cleansed from your sin tonight? Would you not love for your position to be changed? Instead of a lowly outcast, a son of uncleanness, a son of defilement, in the sight of a holy God, would you not love for your position to be changed? Would you not love a new position in Christ Jesus? Well, my friend, I want to tell you how you can go about that. How that can become a reality in your life. You see, my friend, I want you to see the beggar's plea. I've shown you the beggar's position. I want you to see the beggar's plea. Here, in our passage of Scripture, Bartimaeus begins to cry out. In verse 47, he says this, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. In this verse, it says that Bartimaeus began to cry out. The word for cry out, the word that's used in the Greek is the word kreso. I'm showing off that I'm a Bible college student. The word there is a very strong word. It's a word for scream. 
It's used in Mark 5 to describe those who are demon-possessed. It's used in Revelation 12 to describe the birth pains of a woman. You can see how Bartimaeus begins to scream and cry out for Jesus Christ in anguish and desperation. He begins to cry out, and what does he say? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The fact that he says son of David shows a remarkable insight on Bartimaeus' behalf. You know that son of David is a messianic title for the Lord Jesus. It's an identity that is associated with Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah sent from God. And the fact that Bartimaeus knew this shows that that day he seemed better than any man. Now what do I mean by that? He seemed better than any man. Well, in verse 47, you can see that Bartimaeus inquired of the crowd. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. You see, Bartimaeus, perhaps, sitting by the roadside, asked the question, Why is there so much hustle and bustle in Jericho today? Why are there so many people gathering the streets? And someone turns to him and says, Bartimaeus, Jesus of Nazareth is passing this way. Jesus of Nazareth is passing this way. It's interesting that the individual who told Bartimaeus this refers to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. And yet Bartimaeus knew that he was Jesus, son of David. No one told him, but he knew who it was. They say Jesus of Nazareth, and Bartimaeus says Jesus, son of David. Nobody told him who it was, but he knew who it was. How did he know? Well, he knew because no doubt whenever someone told him that Jesus was on his way, they probably said Jesus is a man who did miracles. Jesus is a man who healed the blind. And I'm sure whenever Bartimaeus heard this, his mind went back to Isaiah 35 and verse number 5. These verses about the Messiah sent from God. And it says this in verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Whenever someone told Bartimaeus, this Jesus individual can heal the blind, Bartimaeus put two and two together and realized this was the Messiah. This was the Savior. Bartimaeus seemed better than any man that day. He couldn't see physically. He couldn't see the dusty stranger walking down the road. He couldn't see him clothed in royal robes. He couldn't see him carrying a scepter. He couldn't see him with a royal entourage or with a mobile throne. And yet Bartimaeus knew that this man was a king. Bartimaeus knew that this man was the son of David who could heal him and restore his sight. The one who could make him whole. Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. I wonder, friend, tonight, do you know who he is? Do you know who he is? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ asked his disciples in Luke chapter 9 and verse 20. He says to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I want to ask you that question tonight, friend. Who do you say that Jesus is? Perhaps you're here tonight and you think, Brian, I would consider the Lord Jesus to be a real individual. He actually existed. Yes, I believe he lived 2,000 years ago. I believe that. I would even say he did a few miracles. I would go that far. Son of God? No, I don't believe that. Rose from the dead three days later after he died? No, no. I don't believe that. I want to tell you, friend, it is not enough to believe that Jesus existed. It is not enough. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you think Jesus was a real person. I want to tell you that's not enough for you to be saved. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet. They believe he existed. Hindus believe that he was a great teacher. They believe he was, that he existed. But it's not enough to save them. My friend, I wonder, do you know who he is tonight? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, because the just penalty of sin is infinite and eternal, only God could pay the penalty for sin, who is infinite and eternal. And therefore, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world as the person Jesus Christ. And he lived an absolutely perfect life. He lived a sinless life and died in your place on the cross of Calvary and bore the wrath of God for you. For you. And if he had stayed dead, we would still be in our sin. But praise God. Praise God. He rose from the dead. Amen. Three days later. And he's alive today. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead demonstrates that his death was enough. It was sufficient. It was enough for the sacrifice of sin. My friend, tonight, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Tonight, my friend, do you believe on him? Perhaps I've said it in a meeting here before. I like that little verse of scripture, Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. We sing it to children oftentimes. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I think that little word on is so important. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many people in the world who believe in him. They believe he's real. They believe that he existed, but they don't believe on him. They haven't put their faith in him. They don't depend upon him and upon his work on the cross and that it was enough and that it was for them. My friend, it's not enough to believe in him. Tonight, my friend, would you not believe on him? Would you not depend upon him for salvation full and free? And it is a free gift, friend, for everyone who comes. The whosoever will may come and receive salvation full and free. Regarding Bartimaeus' plea, I'd like to just say something as an exhortation for those in the meeting tonight who are believers. Regarding Bartimaeus' plea, there's something that we can learn from him. Because whenever Bartimaeus steps forward to the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus asks him the question in verse 51, what, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Whenever Bartimaeus was asked the question by the Lord Jesus, whenever Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus didn't indulge in generalities, as we so often do whenever we pray, do we not? Whenever Bartimaeus was asked the question, he was straight to the point. Without hesitation or generalization, he simply told Jesus, I would like to receive my sight. His request was short. It was specific. And it was full of faith. How often do we pray prayers, my friend, and they're not specific. They're just full of words. How often do we do it? Now, I stand up here as an individual who does it also. As I pointed to you, there's three fingers pointing back. How often do we pray prayers and they're, they're not specific? They're just words. How often do we pray prayers and they're not full of faith? It shouldn't be the case with our prayers. Whenever we see this interaction between Bartimaeus and the Lord Jesus, there was no pretension. There was no religious pride But in this exchange between the two men. He ran to Jesus with a desire, knowing that only Jesus could fulfill that desire. 
He knew who Jesus was and how Jesus was willing and able to give him his sight. Bartimaeus knew that there was nothing in himself that he could achieve this salvation. He couldn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've been a good person all my life. He didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, I help elderly ladies across the road with their groceries. You know what? I go to the prayer meeting every Wednesday night. Those are good things, by the way. He couldn't do any of that. He couldn't say that he'd done any of those things. All he could do was plead for mercy. And my friend, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, the only thing you can do is plead for mercy. You know the beautiful thing about that, friend? You'll find mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the interaction here between the blind beggar and the merciful master. Whatever Bartimaeus in verse 47 cries out to the Lord Jesus, an interesting thing happens in verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. The crowd were indignant. They scolded him for making such a disturbance. These individuals were a hindrance for Bartimaeus coming to Jesus. I wonder, friend, what is a hindrance for you coming to Christ tonight? What is holding you back? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, there are individuals in your life, O'Brien, you don't know what the, what the fellows would say to me in the factory tomorrow morning if I told them I got saved last night. You don't know how they'd make fun of me in the workplace. You don't know what my brother and my sister and my mum and dad would think if I went home tonight and told them that I got saved. Brian, you don't understand. I want to tell you, friend, whenever these people tried to get Bartimaeus to be quiet and stop calling upon the Lord, it didn't stop him. In fact, he cried all the louder. He cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Whatever's holding you back from coming to Christ tonight, my friend, I want to assure you that it is nowhere near as important as coming to Christ. Whatever's stopping you, my friend, remove it. Remove it and come to Christ tonight. We've seen how the beggar's position, we've seen the beggar's plea, and finally, I want you to see the beggar's pardon. The beggar's pardon. Verse 49, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. I love that first little phrase in verse 49. And Jesus stood still. Here's the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the final leg of his journey, before he dies for the sins of the world, before he dies for sinful man on man's behalf. And yet here, as he's on his way to Jerusalem, this is the last stop. He's never going to pass this way again. And as he's away on his way out of Jericho, he stops for a blind beggar. I want to tell you, friend, the same Jesus Christ cares about you tonight. And he cares about your soul's condition. J.N. Darby said this in his commentary. Joshua, meaning Jehovah is salvation, once bade the sun to stand still in the skies. But here the Lord of the sun, the moon and the skies stand still at the request of a blind beggar. What love Jesus Christ has for this man. What compassion that he has for him. And I want to tell you, friend, God loves you tonight. He loves you tonight, but he doesn't want you to remain in your sin. He wants you to come and to receive salvation. How do I know that? Well, the little, verse, the little phrase at the end of verse 49. He calleth 
thee. He calleth thee. My friend, if you're in the meeting tonight or listening online and you're not saved, I want to tell you most assuredly that Jesus calls for you. Jesus calls for you to be saved. And I want you to do the exact same thing that Bartimaeus does. He calleth thee, and he that is Bartimaeus, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. The fact that Bartimaeus threw aside his garment, his cloak, the fact he did this is very unique because his cloak was probably the only thing he possessed. The only thing he possessed. And the fact that he left his cloak on the ground indicates to us how much he trusted Jesus to heal him. I'll explain that for you. When Bartimaeus threw his garment on the ground, he was saying, once I go to Jesus, I won't be the same again. I won't need the garment anymore. You see, back then, a beggar's garment was really his insurance. There was really no way to support yourself financially if you were a beggar. And therefore, beggars were given a seal. They were given a seal that was issued by the local government, as it were. And this seal would be put on to their garment to their cloak. And it would symbolize that this individual was a legal beggar, not a con man. And therefore, whenever Bartimaeus would beg, he would throw the cloak off him and put him on the ground, and you would see the seal. I'm not a beggar. I'm not a con man. I'm a legal beggar. So whenever Bartimaeus got up and threw it from him, he realized he didn't need it anymore. Or he wouldn't need it anymore. Because he would go to Jesus Christ and Jesus would save him. Bartimaeus would be in dire straits if his cloak was kicked along the road or stolen. But this fact that he left his garment symbolizes that he abandoned everything to follow Jesus. He depended on nothing else, didn't need anything else. All he needed was Christ. That's all he needed. My friend, whenever you come to Jesus Christ for salvation, I can tell you now you'll be changed. You'll be changed. Why? Because your faith will make you whole. Your faith will make you whole. The blind man said unto him, verse 41, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Jesus here in this verse is emphasizing the necessity of faith. Blind Bartimaeus had the kind of faith that pleases God. A wholehearted trust in the Savior. A wholehearted trust in the Savior. The faith that made this blind man see was a specific kind of faith. It was a faith that was determined to reach Jesus. He cried out all the more. It was a faith who knew that Jesus was son of David. It was a faith that came humbly to the Lord. Have mercy on me. It was a faith that humbly submitted to Jesus. He refers to him as Lord. It was a faith that, that could tell that Jesus was the one who could do it. That I might receive my sight. Simple faith. Not hard to acknowledge all those things. It's simple faith. And because of his faith, he was blind at the beginning of Jesus' sentence in verse 52. At the end of the sentence, he could see. It was instantaneous. One moment in total blindness, the next moment in unimpaired vision. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. I want to tell you, friend, tonight, the only one who can save you is the Lord Jesus Christ. Come tonight, my friend, repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in him. Whenever I say that word repent, maybe it's a word you're not familiar with. To repent, my friend, is to turn away from sin. To turn away from sin and to turn toward Christ. Any saving faith is a repentant faith. 
Any saving faith is a repentant faith. It is one singular movement. You are turning away from sin to turn to Christ. My friend, whatever's holding you back tonight, turn away from it and turn to Christ for salvation. Trust in him and have faith in him. I told you that whenever Bartimaeus came to Jesus and received this pardon from him, that he was changed. And we can see it very clearly in verse 52. When a person is saved, he will have evidence by following the Lord. And this blind man, Bartimaeus, no longer, no longer sat by the wayside begging. For now he had sight. And he used it to conduct himself differently. When a person is saved by the power of Christ, he'll be different. Not through any merit or action of his own, but because of the power of Christ in him. He'll be different. And as soon as Bartimaeus received his sight, he saw Jesus and he wanted nothing more than to follow him. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He followed Jesus in the way. My friend, that is the desire of everyone here tonight for you if you're not saved. That you would follow Jesus. That you would receive sight. That you would see the beauty and majesty of Christ. That you would realize your sinful condition. And realize that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And put your faith in him. And begin to follow him. You know there. There are many people I've heard. Preach. And they've listed the names of individuals. They think you perhaps were at the cross. Sometimes I think they're very foolish in what they say. They think such and such a person. I think this person was at the cross. I think this person was at Calvary and seen this happen. I have to be honest with you tonight. I genuinely believe that Bartimaeus was there. Or he was in the city anyway. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the way. I genuinely believe, and I have no scripture to back this up. This is just the opinion of Brian Cruz. I genuinely believe that this man, when he received his sight, could no longer not follow Jesus. Whenever the going got tough, he thought to himself, I could not turn away from this man. I believe that he's present in the coming days. I believe he's present after the resurrection. My guess is, whenever the 120 met in the upper room at Pentecost, I believe he's there. I believe he's there. I have no scripture to back it up, but I believe he's there. Here was a man, Bartimaeus, who was an outcast in the eyes of Jewish society. And I believe he's there among the 120 in the inner circle. A man who was an outcast brought in to the family of Jesus Christ. The family of God. My friend, this man symbolizes you and I. Are you particularly as a sinner who has not put your faith in Jesus? Jesus Christ was passing by. He would never again be in Jericho. And if Bartimaeus did not get his sight then, he would be blind all his days. Christ and his salvation, my friend, are offered to you tonight. They're offered to you. And perhaps, my friend, if you let him pass by tonight, you'll never hear the call again. You'll abide in darkness forever. My friend, don't run the risk of such a fate. Tonight is the night to get right with God. My friend, that's why I'm here tonight. That's why Pastor Craig is here tonight. Because we have been approached by Jesus somewhere along the road in our life. In our blindness and in our desperation, he passed by. And our hearts were awakened and we cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he heard our cry and made us a new creation. And all of this is possible because he went to Jerusalem. After this, as we read in verse, chapter 11, he went to Jerusalem all the way to the cross and on the other side of the empty tomb. 
My friend, just as I bring our message to a close tonight, I must say to you, do not put off today what you might not be able to do tomorrow. Because Jesus may never pass by your heart again like this. My friend, you might go out of those doors tonight. You might get into your car and I have no idea what might happen. You'll be walking along the road tomorrow perhaps and you want to know how close eternity is. I'll tell you how close eternity is. And you're gone. My friend, don't put off today what you might not have a chance to do tomorrow. The individuals who died this morning had plans for tonight. And those who died today had plans for tomorrow. My friend, come tonight and put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness full and free and the only one who can grant it. Trust this is the case for you tonight. Just as we bring our meeting to a close, I'd like to say a word of prayer before we sing our closing hymn. Let's just take a moment and we'll still ourselves in God's presence. Our Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the message that we've heard tonight from thy word. Not from the voice of man, but from the very words of God that we read in Holy Scripture. That an individual came to Jesus Christ and pleaded mercy, and he found mercy and grace full and free. We thank thee, Father, that that's all it takes, saving faith, putting faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And Father, we are thankful that the Bible tells us that Jesus turns away no one who comes unto him. Father, we pray for the unsaved individual, perhaps in the meeting or even listening online. And we pray, Father, tonight that you would give them no ease, that you would give them no rest in their sinful condition. We pray, Father, even if they were to leave this place tonight, that they would toss in their bed. And Father, we pray that you would cause them to get down on bended knee and repent and trust in Christ for forgiveness of sin. Father, we pray that you would save souls as a result of what you're doing here in our midst. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, and for his name's sake, and for his glory alone. Amen.